It's a great day. It's a Wednesday. And you know what? It, um, this week, we're going to celebrate on Monday, we're going to celebrate Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is a day when we remember those that have given their lives so that we might have freedom. Those that paid the ultimate price. And, and this coming Monday, um, there will be parades and there will be different things going on at different cemeteries. And, and um, growing up, I, I always thought everybody did this, but it was what I found out later as I, as I got into college and so forth is realized that a lot of people in our great country don't understand that, um, especially now, but they don't understand that freedom and the freedoms that we have and the freedoms that we take for granted didn't happen by accident. And they didn't happen automatically. And they cost a lot of people's lives to, to, to obtain and to maintain the freedoms that we have. And there are some in our land that don't understand that, and some that don't even think that the freedoms are worth it or, or should be even remembered. But I would, I would submit to you today, as a person whose uncle died at Normandy and whose brother died defending the freedom of South Vietnam, my two, my uncle, my, my father's brother, and my father's son, my brother, both gave their lives in service to this country, in pursuit of obtaining freedom from tyranny, freedom from oppression for people. And for, in, the, in the case of the Vietnamese, it was, it was unfortunately a, a war managed by politicians in Washington, so it didn't turn out well. But the intent originally, and certainly the men on the ground, the intent was to help the South Vietnamese avoid the tyranny of communist China. That was the goal in the, Vietnam, in the war in Vietnam. That was, that, was the, that was the goal, to help the South Vietnamese not be overrun by the Chinese communists who were funding the North Vietnamese. That's the history book, and if you, if you look at that. I lived through it, that's what happened, okay? You might read something else in your history book, but that's what really happened, okay? And all those gray hairs could tell you that, okay? The reality is Memorial Day was established to honor those that gave their lives in service to our country. And service not only to our country, but to the, to the world and to maintaining and to really obtaining freedom around the world. And so as you go into the Memorial Day weekend, um, I would just like to encourage you to remember that. That as you, as you drive by a cemetery where there's a flag flying or you drive by in some parade or whatever, just remember and say, thank you, Jesus, that freedom's not free, that our country is free, and it was paid for with the blood of those who fought bravely to defend freedom. And our freedom in Christ was not free. That cost Jesus Christ his life because freedom isn't free. The price of freedom unfortunately, is blood. And Jesus shed his blood that we could be free, but other people shed their blood also so that we could be free in this nation 
And so this weekend, and in particularly Monday in this country, we celebrate freedom and we thank those that have served and we thank the families of those who gave their lives in pursuit of freedom for those around the world. So today, we're just thanking God for freedom. So let's just have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for the freedom that we have. The freedom that we can gather together here tonight without fear of someone coming in and arresting us for, for assembling together. Father, we thank you for the freedom and the right of assembly. We thank you for freedom of speech. We thank you for freedom um, of, of expression. Father, we thank you for freedom of exercise of religion. We thank you, Father, that we can worship you freely. Father, we thank you for our great land. We, Father, we pray for our land, that, Father, you would pour out your spirit upon this land, that, Father, that you would forgive our sins, and that, Father, you would pour out your spirit and bring us together as a people, that we would once again be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, today is also the week that we remember and commemorate the day of Pentecost. So, the day of Pentecost is, is kind of a, a, lost, a lost feast, really, for the most part. Nobody really, they don't celebrate it a lot, but the, the reality is that was, it's, it's this week. Um, is when we celebrate the, the day of Pentecost. And if we look, I'm just going to go real quickly here. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you shall receive, this is the Lord Jesus talking to his disciples right before he ascended. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, it says that you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But it says you shall receive power. Now, the, the word there is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite, which is explosive power. Power that's explosive in nature. It's not just a slow burn, it's an explosion. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is not something meek and gentle, and he is meek and gentle and quiet, but he's also explosive. So a few days later, it says, when the day of Pentecost, which is 10 days after the ascension, now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord, which, which means they were in agreement, they were in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow. That's a wild scene when you really think about it. You think about that. You Use your imagination. Now just use your imagination for a minute and think about that scripture right there. It says, they were all sitting in a room. All of a sudden, it sounds like a 747 taken off. The sound of a mighty rushing wind. 
doubled, I mean, like a hundred times that. You're sitting in the room also, and everybody's going, dang, what's going on, John? There was 120 of them in an upper room. They're like, dude, what's going on? I'd be going, Nate, did you hear that? He goes, hear it? What do you mean? I can't even hear you, right? This is loud, right? It says, there came a sound as a mighty, a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. It doesn't say that was fire. It says as of fire. It's kind of like when the Holy Spirit says it came upon Jesus as in the form of a dove, but it wasn't really a dove. People always think it was a dove, but it says it was as in the form of a dove. So in other words, it kind of, the closest thing it resembled was a dove, but it wasn't really a dove, but it kind of looked like a dove. So that's the case here too. It says, it, it says the, the presence of God came into that room to such a degree, and it says a flame, a tongue, or a, you know, a flame of fire, it said it sat on each one of them as of fire, it says. And it sat upon each one of them. Now, I've seen pictures, and they show a little candle behind their head, you know, just a little, you know, little thing back here. You ever seen that picture? There's a little, little tiny flame about an inch tall, you know. This little light of mine. No, not that, though. This thing, it says it sat on them. It says in the in Scripture that God is a consuming fire. When I think of this, when I think of this, my imagination goes like this. It's this like flame as big as me and it just sits on top of me and engulfs me. That's when I think about this, that's what I think of when I think of this verse. I think of a flame like two feet wide, five feet tall, and it just kind of engulfs your entire body. You're consumed by this flame of fire. And it says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we think being filled with the Holy Spirit is take a sip of the Holy Ghost with your pinky out, right? Just a little, just a little sip of the Holy Ghost. That's all you really want because you want to be able to control it, right? You don't want to do something crazy, right? You don't want to do something crazy like speak in tongues or prophesy or something. So you take a little sip of the Holy Ghost and... We'll take a little sip of the Holy Ghost here. No, this thing is like a rushing mighty wind and a fire that sat on these people and consumed them to such a degree that they all began to speak in other tongues. This was not something that was polite. It wasn't something that was orderly. It was chaos. When the Holy Ghost came on them, it was chaos. It was like everybody was speaking in every language. It says there was Medes and Persians. There was 15 different people groups that were staying in Jerusalem at this particular time because it was the festival or it was the feast. So there was 15 different people groups. They're listed right there in Acts chapter 2. 15 people groups and it says they all heard them declaring the great works of God each one in their own language. And these guys that were talking were unlearned fishermen. So this, isn't, this wasn't the scholars who knew all these languages. 
This is a bunch of unlearned fishermen. And yet they were all speaking, and the people that were there could hear them, and they heard it in their own language. This was a sign and a wonder. This was that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days. This, this is what this was. This was when the church was born. So Pentecost, I submit to you today, Pentecost is the birthday of the church in the earth. It's the birthday of the church. It's when the church was born. The modern day church was born on the day of Pentecost. Because up until that time, Peter was a chicken. Remember that? He wouldn't, remember I had the rubber chicken up here a few weeks ago? Peter wouldn't, didn't even dare say he knew Jesus. And then the day of Pentecost comes and he preaches a house of fire and 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus that day. That was the birth of the church. It was so Pentecost, this week, is the birth of of the church. It's the church's birthday. So you can say to Jesus, Jesus, happy birthday. This is the birth of your church. Now Christmas, we say happy birthday to him in the human form, but this was the church's birthday. So what happened on the day of Pentecost? On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, that the promise of the Father, the comforter, the teacher, all those things that Jesus called the Holy Spirit, that was when he came on the earth and he's still here today. You know, he hasn't left. He's still here. He's the restraining force that's keeping the Antichrist from, from revealing himself. It says, when the, restraining, when the restraining force is removed from the earth, that's when the Antichrist is going to come to the forefront and he's going to take over the earth. But that's after... By the way, that's after we're out of here. So at least if you're looking for the first load out, I'm looking for the first flight out of here. I don't know how about you, but I'm hoping for the first load out. Anybody else want to be on the first? I want to be on the first, the first resurrection. The first load out of here, I want to be on that gospel train. Train up in the sky, here it comes. He's going to go, whoop, and we're going to go. We're out of here, man. And it could be quicker than you think. But you know what? Until then, we have to occupy until he comes. So how do we occupy? We, we realize that the Holy Spirit is not an option that you can just choose to take or leave. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is essential. Now, in the last year, we've had to, we've had to understand who essential workers were, right? You know, all the, so it's kind of a bum deal when they tell you, I'm sorry, but you're not essential. You have to stay home. That's, that's kind of a bummer. So I declared that all church workers were essential. So we all kept working. But um, because I said, we're essential. And nobody told me we couldn't, so I worked every day throughout the whole pandemic. But anyway, um, not everybody around here did, but I did because I said, I declared myself essential and, and therefore I was essential. Um, and that's how silly this was. You could declare yourself essential and nobody stopped you, so it's all good. But anyway, the Holy Ghost is not an option. The Holy Ghost is essential in your life today. You need the Holy Ghost. 
You don't, this is not something that, that, that you could just, oh yeah, it'd be nice, and oh, it could be okay, and it could be nice. No, this is something that you need in your life if you're going to be a productive, impactful follower of Christ in 2021. You need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You just do. You need it. And if you don't have it, I have a little book here. You read this book. Time you're done reading this book, you'll say, man, I got to have this. And there's a prayer in the back. You pray that prayer. You ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. You know what happens? He will. That's literally how it works. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. There's not some magical person that has to, has to do it with you. You can pray and ask him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit right where you are. And it's a little simple. It's a simple prayer. Nothing's hard. It's simple. It's important, but it's simple. And we got these books. If you'd like one of these books after service, I'll give them to you. Um, we, we hand these out by the hundreds. And because they're so important, it's such an important part of our life. You know, I, I grew up myself, I grew up in a, in a denomination that did not recognize the current power of the Holy Spirit. And I went to Christian school, I went to Christian high school, I went to catechism, I went, every time the church was open, my parents had me in church. I memorized three Bible verses a week from the time I was five and six years old all the way through high school. Because that's what we had to do in my house. We had to memorize Bible verses. And you know, I'm really thankful for that because I got hundreds of them up here and they're memorized and it's awesome. But you know what? Even after all that Bible memory, I wasn't saved. I had the Bible committed to memory. Whole books of the Bible committed to memory. And yet I wasn't saved because I didn't know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I just knew that he was the Savior of the world, but I didn't, hadn't ever really repented of my own sin, and I hadn't accepted him as my personal Lord and Savior. And that's something that's it's, it's, it's really heavy on my heart, because I was a 21-year-old kid. I was a straight-A student, all the things that you'd, you'd think would be, oh, that's, he's such a great guy. Everybody thought I was a, a decent person. But the reality was, I was not saved. I did not know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I was not born again. And I remember playing tennis with a guy. His name was Bob. And he challenged me. And he asked me, what happens when we die? He said, what do you think happens when we die? And I said, you go to either heaven or hell. I knew all the right answers. And then he said, well, where do you think you're going? And I said, I think I'm going to heaven. He goes, really? Why do you think that? And I said, because Jesus died for my sins. He goes, whoa, so you, 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 so you, you believe you're a Christian. He didn't say you're a Christian. He said, you believe you're a Christian. And I said, well, yeah. He goes, why is that? And I said, well, you know, I've been to church my whole life. I went to Christian school. I learned catechism, and, you know, I learned all that stuff, and Heidelberg and all that other stuff. I learned it all. And he goes, yeah, but are you born again? And I go, I think so, yeah. And he goes, and he said this to me. He says, then why don't you act like it? You know what I told him? I told him to go to hell. 
I did. You know why I did that? Because I wasn't saved. And he called me out on it, and then he, smart man that he was, said to me, that's the problem. I'm afraid you think you're going to heaven, but you're really going to hell. And I went, I didn't know what to do, but I left. But I couldn't stop thinking about what he said. And it wasn't long before then it kicked in. I started having the nightmares about going to hell. Because my mom and dad were praying, God, show them the end of the road before it's too late. I started having the nightmares about going to hell. I started having them over and over and over again. And I'd wake up screaming at 4 o'clock in the morning because I thought I was, I was dreaming I was going to hell. And then sooner, I thought I was losing my, my, my noodle. I mean, I thought I was going crazy. And so finally, I went to my sister's house, and that's where she said, you need to accept Christ, Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior. And I said, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. I've been in church my whole life. I did not know how to get saved. I'd never heard an altar call in my entire life. But I, that day, on the couch on 37th Street, just, just west of Lincoln in Holland, Michigan, just down the street from the salad bowl, if you've ever been to Holland, that's where it was, my sister's house, little bungalow. She prayed with me on her couch at 11 o'clock at night, and I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I was born again that night forever set free. Why? Because somebody had the boldness to call me out. So I'm telling you this. Do you think that Bob, the guy that called me out, do you think he wondered, because he and I, we were workout buddies. Back then I was really buff and working out, and that was 40 years ago, so you know. Anyway. Um, we were workout buddies. We played tennis together. We were friends. Do you think he worried that if he confronted me, I would, you know, ditch him as a friend? I bet, he, I bet he probably thought about that. But you know what he did? He loved me enough to risk our friendship to confront me and to present the gospel to me the way I could hear it, the way I had to hear it. I had to be, I call it the two by four to the side of the head presented of the gospel. He just took a two-by-four and whacked me upside the head and said, hey, knucklehead, why don't you live like it if you think you're a Christian? And that's the way I needed to hear it. I couldn't hear a nice, polite presentation of the gospel. I had to hear, hey, stupid, you're not saved. That's what I had to hear because that was just where I was at. But I would say to all of us, it's worth the risk. It's worth losing a friend to make sure that those around you know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The time is short. You don't have time to mess around. You don't have time to wait three or four or five years. When the iron is hot, when you feel the, when you feel the Spirit of God tugging you to do something, you got to do it. You got to strike when the iron's hot. If they reject it and they reject you as a friend, oh well. At that point in time, oh well. Because you know what? You got to present the gospel. You have to present the truth. You can't wait forever. you got to present the truth sometime. And then, what happened next on my sister's couch? You know what she said to me? She said, now burn, because that's what she always called me. She said, now burn, here's the deal. You need power. 
because you're kind of a stinker, because I was a stinker. She says, you're kind of a stinker, and you need power. You can't have just, you, you, just, you just need the Holy Spirit. You, you, you need him. Trust me, you need him to live right. And I was like, okay, what do I do? And she said, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. I said, okay, whatever. Show me what to do, I'll do it. So she prayed with me, and all she did was she prayed this simple prayer. She said, just repeat this prayer after me is what she said. And all I did was I said, Lord Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I ask you to fill me and baptize me with the Holy Spirit now with the evidence of speaking in tongues and all your gifts. I want them all in Jesus' name. And I felt his presence, and I, felt, I knew that something had changed in my life right there. Something changed in my life right there. And I knew I had the power to live the life that God had called me to live. Because I had tried to get saved when I was 13. I had tried to get saved when I was 15. I tried to get saved when I was 20. And then finally at 22, I got saved. And I knew that I couldn't live right just on my own because I tried it a bunch of times and I'd prayed the prayer a bunch of times and I thought, man, I don't trust myself because, you know, I did this just three years ago and I ended up right back where I was today. How am I, what's different about this time? Well, the difference this time was I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit after I was, after I was born again truly born again, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's 36 years ago, and I'm still going strong. Why? Because he's the, he's the energizer bunny. He keeps on going and going and going and going, and you never, ever stop. See, it never has to end. The, 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 the power of God in your life can go forever. It's literally better than the energizer bunny. He gives you the power to live the way you're supposed to live. It's the grace of God that gives you the power to say no to sin. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to say no to sin. I was going to talk about prophecy and everything else tonight, and I still might. We're going to try to go fast here. You know, the first thing that happened to me that night on February 5, 1985, it was a cold winter night. And it, I got in the car and I asked the Lord this one question. I said, how long is this going to last? And he answered me and he said, it's the first thing he ever spoke to me. It's the first time I ever heard the voice of God ever in my whole life. This is what he said to me, as long as you want it to. It's been 36 years and today I still have that same presence and that same precious Holy Spirit with me every day because I want to continue in that. So what I was concerned about is, okay, I feel all, I feel all giddy. I, I got the Holy Ghost high going on right now. There's no high like the most high, right? So you got that going on. And then I was worried it was going to wear off and I was going to go back to being the way I was. And the news flash is this, 36 years later, I ain't going back to where the, the way I was because he keeps renewing us day by day by day by day by day forever. As long as you want it to, it will continue. But when you decide that you're going to go walk your own way, you can walk your own way anytime you want. 
but if you want to walk with him, he'll walk with you wherever, for as long as you want to walk with him. You know, it says in John, 20, John 10, 25, it says, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you, he's talking to the, to the Pharisees, but you do not believe because you are not, of my, you are not my sheep. He's talking to the Pharisees now. As I said to you, this is, this is the verse right here. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Boy, that's a very powerful verse. It says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. You know, if you say that you hear God talking to you, the vast majority of people out in the world will recommend you to a psychiatrist, right? You know that, right? But here he says, my sheep hear my voice. So who needs the psychiatrist? They do. Because it says right here, my sheep hear my voice. It says, Jesus says, I know them, and they follow me. So if you are born again, you have the ability and the expectation that you hear God's voice. You hear God's voice in Scripture. You hear God's voice sometimes in circumstances and sometimes as the still small voice that comes to your heart, that just comes to your heart. Sometimes it's through dreams, sometimes it's through other people, but you can hear the voice of Jesus today as a believer, because my sheep hear my voice. So I would challenge you, if you consider yourself one of Jesus' sheep, if you are one of Jesus' sheep, I would say to you, I would submit to you, you should be hearing his voice on a regular basis if you're his sheep because he is talking. God is talking and we can hear what he's saying. I'm going to go through just a couple of one of a couple more of the gifts of the Spirit here because I want to, I want to get through this, but I felt really strongly to share on Pentecost and my experience of being born again and why it's so important to share the gospel. Because it is so vital to share the gospel with those around us because the time is short. We don't have forever. We only have until we're out of here. And that's all we have. And the only time we can win people to Christ is while we're here. Once we get to heaven, there is no more winning people to Christ. That's over. There's only a certain time that we can win people to Christ, and that's why we're here, while we're here. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, it says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Now, he's not Southern. He didn't say y'all. He said you all, okay? So I wish that you all spoke with, spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. See, prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. Tongues is a supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue. An interpretation 
is a supernatural explanation of what was said in the unknown tongue. I know that's simple, but it's reality. To prophesy means to flow or to bubble forth. That's what the word prophecy actually means. It means to bubble, to bubble forth. I get a picture of a, of a, of a fountain that's just kind of bubbling over, okay? It's, that's what prophecy is. It's coming out of, it says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, right? That's, that's the Holy Spirit flowing out of you. And it says prophecy is the, the overflow, the bubbling over of your spirit. It's to speak for another, in this case, to speak for God in a particular situation. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are not, here, let me tell you what the gifts of the Spirit are not. The gifts of the Spirit are not like things you wear on your lapel like Boy Scout merit badges, you know, like, well, I got my knot tying merit badge and I got my, my uh, uh, community service merit badge and I got my Bible memory merit badge or whatever merit badges that, that these kids put on their scarves or on whatever. The gifts of the Spirit are not like merit badges that you wear. Well, I got my prophecy merit badge, and I got my tongues merit badge, and I got my... That's not what that's about. The gifts of the Spirit are for other people. That's the bottom line. The gifts of the Spirit are for other people. They're, they're, They're to help other people. The primary operating purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is so that people can know that they're known and loved by God. That's the bottom line. No matter what gift of the Spirit it is, the ultimate goal of the gifts of the Spirit are that the person who's receiving the benefit of that gift, that they would feel known and loved by God. No matter what the, no matter what the, uh, the particular gift is, whether it's a prophecy or a word of knowledge or word of wisdom or whatever it is. The other issue is there are many people, anybody can prophesy. I'll tell you that right now. Anybody can can prophesy, but just prophesying does not make you a prophet. Okay? So I'm going to give you a scriptural example of that right now, and that is Acts chapter 21. It says, Uh, We're going to skip down here. It says, We came into Caesarea. We entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven deacons, and and we stayed with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So Philip had four daughters, and his four daughters, they prophesied. Okay. It says, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus, and when he has come to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound it to his own hands and feet, and he says, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind this man and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So that example right there tells us there are people who prophesy, and then there's people who are prophets. For instance, I have a little bit of money in my pocket, and Bill Gates has probably a little bit of money in his pocket. But you know what? He's got more money than I've got, right? Quite a bit more, like about 100 billion more than me. Um, but what I'm saying is just because I have money doesn't mean I'm a millionaire. But the millionaire has money. So prop, 
anybody can prophesy, but not everybody is a prophet. A prophet is one that's a, an office. It's one of the fivefold ministry gifts. And it's somebody that functions and flows in the gift of prophecy on a very regular and very accurate basis and also flows in other gifts on a very, um, a very regular basis and is recognized by people, in, recognized by leadership as one that flows in that gift. So that's a prophet. It's an office. It's like a pastor, teacher, evangelist, apostle. Okay? So it's an office in the church. But, some, but anybody can prophesy. So prophecy has less to do with telling the future and more to do with encouragement and causing the person who's receiving that word to feel known and loved by God. Do you get what I'm, are, are you all clear what I'm saying? It's not so much about telling the future. A lot of times people get, get it's confusing because people talk about Old Testament prophecy and then there's the New Testament gift of prophecy. In the Old Covenant, prophecy had all to do with the future. It was all future, telling the future. That was Old Testament prophecy. They were all prophesying about the coming Messiah. So it was always about the future. In the New Testament, the current gifts of the Spirit of prophecy doesn't have to do with foretelling the future. It has to do with encouragement and edification of the body. So that's, I just wanted to clarify so that everybody understood what that's, what that's really about. It's about God's, God's purpose of it is really the gifts of the Spirit. The, one of the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit is to get people's attention. You know what I'm saying? So you, you, you walk up to somebody and say, oh, even last week Jared had a word for the guy who was sitting over here. Got his attention because he had a, a, a word of knowledge about something with his right arm, okay? Uh, that's, that gets your attention. See, the gifts of the Spirit get their attention. It's a, it, it grabs your attention. And then the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. See, the gifts of the Spirit don't get people saved. What the gifts of the Spirit do is get people's attention, make them, make them feel known and loved by God, and then you've got to present the gospel, the truth, that Jesus Christ is the only way you got to present the gospel, the good news. And the, it's the good news is the power of God unto salvation, and only the good news. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So what's the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, I will pray with understanding, I will sing with the Spirit, I will also sing with understanding. Whew. If there is no interpreter and someone has a tongue, it says, let him keep silent and let him speak to himself and to God. So they're, they're talking there about your private prayer language. If you have, if you're going to pray in tongues, don't be praying in tongues out loud, in public, uh, being a total distraction to everybody. Go do it by yourself somewhere else and, and talk to God. I know for myself, there's been times where I'm quietly praying in, in the Spirit to my, I'm, I'm just praying in the Spirit, quietly, kind of under my breath, and I've had somebody say to me, what are you mumbling about? Anybody ever had that? Where, where someone says, what are you mumbling about? And I go, I'm not mumbling, I'm praying. Well, what are you saying? I go, none of your business, I'm talking to God. 
And then I kind of laugh. I go, I'm actually praying in the spirit. It's praying in tongues. And really, how do you do that? A lot of times that's the response you get. Hardly ever does somebody go, oh, you're a freak. You know, I've never actually had that. That's what we're all afraid of, right? But I've never actually had that. Most of the time, people are pretty intrigued when, you, when, you, when you're, you know, praying quietly under your breath in the Spirit. But you don't want to make a spectacle, right? So you just do it quietly. And if someone asks, just say, listen, I'm praying, and I'm, I'm praying in an unknown tongue. And it's one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's in 1 Corinthians 12. And um, I'm talking to God. Well, how do you know what you're saying? Well, I don't. Well, what good is that then? It says, well, it says in, in 1 Corinthians again, it says, if you pray in the Spirit or in, in an unknown tongue, you, their spirit prays, but the mind is unfruitful. See, and when you pray in the Spirit, you can actually pray that God, ask God to give you the interpretation, and that is one of the benefits or one of the byproducts of praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, is that you say, God, I don't know how to pray for this situation. Romans 8.26 says the Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray. Romans 8.26, that when we don't know how to pray, He helps us with groanings that are too deep for words. And we have to, we pray in the Spirit and we pray in tongues. And then after we're praying, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, what shall we say then? I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray with understanding. So the system, the, the, this, is, this is my what I do in my prayer life. There's a situation, you pray what you know to pray, English. When you've prayed everything you know to pray, you pray in the Spirit. So you pray in tongues for a while. And you pray in tongues until... You know something else to pray, and what that is, what you don't realize, when you suddenly know what to pray, you're getting the interpretation of your own tongue, and you pray with understanding again, and you pray in the name of Jesus, and you bind the devil, and you pray whatever needs to be prayed over here, and when you don't know how to pray anymore, you pray in tongues again, and you go over here, and you pray in the Spirit for a while, and then when you suddenly you know what to pray, you're getting the interpretation of that tongue, and you go over here and you pray in the, in the English again. And that's the way you can pray without ceasing. It's the only way you can pray without ceasing is if you have this supernatural gift, which is called praying in tongues. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. I didn't make it up. I'm not smart enough, okay? But I know how to use it. And it's reality. When you don't know how to pray, you pray in the Spirit. So it's your secret weapon to always pray the perfect will of God and praying over things and praying about things that you don't even know how to pray about. Oh, man, we're done and I'm not done. We're out of time and I'm not done. It says when he, when he speaks in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. When we, when, we, when we pray in the Spirit, we speak mysteries. We speak that which we're not aware of many times. We pray over things that we don't even know we're praying over because the Holy Spirit helps us in our own natural weaknesses. He helps us. And then he, he causes the interpretation to be manifest in our, in our mind. And many times what I've seen, and, and I've been doing this for 36 years, people, and, and, and I don't by any stretch of the imagination think I'm an expert at it, but I've been doing it more than a couple days, and that is this. When you're 
earnestly desiring God to move, and you're earnestly desiring spiritual gifts to help other people, what ends up happening is that you end up flowing in these gifts without really realizing that you're flowing in these gifts. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You end up prophesying to someone when you don't even realize you're prophesying to someone. And afterwards you go, how did I know that? You know, you go, how in the world did I know that? And then you realize, and if you're like aware, you go, wow, thank you, Lord. That was, that was the word of knowledge or that was a prophecy. And sometimes you're praying in the spirit, you don't know what to do, and suddenly you know what to do. You know what that was? That was an interpretation. That was the gifts of the spirit. Sometimes you're, you're somewhere and you just know what to do. All of a sudden you know what to do. That's a word of knowledge in operation. See, it's not, it's not something that, that you sit there and you check off box A, box B, box C, and you can only use one a week. That's not how this works. You can operate and flow in this every day, all day, every day. In business deals, Lord, what should I do? And you start praying in the Spirit. You know what happens? Suddenly you know what to do. And you, have, and you know how to answer a question, and you get the contract. You know what that is? That's God helping you with a word of knowledge, or God helping you with an interpretation. See, that kind of stuff, that's a practical application of what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to be real in our everyday lives. The Holy Spirit's not just for church. It's for every day, every day, all day, no matter where you are, he wants to walk with you and talk with you and, and lead you. And like Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You know how we follow Jesus? By listening to the Holy Spirit because that's who he sent us. He sent us the Holy Spirit because he said, I'm going to the Father and I'm sending you another comforter. He will teach you all things and he'll bring to remembrance, John 14, 26, he'll bring to remembrance all the things that I've taught you, he said. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all the things that I've taught you. So the Holy Spirit is essential. It's not an option. It's essential for our daily lives. So, Let's end tonight, because I have to. We're going to close it up, but I'm going to challenge you with this. If, you, if you'd like one of, one of the books I've got, they're right up here. I'd l- love to give them to you. We'd love to put one in your hand. Read it. It is so simple and so straightforward, but it's so scripturally based. It's literally A, B, C, it's, it's right there. Love to put one of those books in your hand. Love to pray with you. If you'd, like, if you'd like to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit tonight, love to pray with you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit too, if that's your case. If you have anything in your life that you want someone to pray with you about, we've got leaders in the church here. We'd love to pray with you, and we'd love to agree with you in prayer. And I would just encourage all of you just to focus and, and remember this, this particular scripture, John 10, where he says, my sheep hear my voice. Hmm. And they follow me. Say, Jesus, I want to hear your voice and I want to follow you every day. That's my prayer for all of us, that we hear his voice.
and that we follow him from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.